Am I live or am I Memorex? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. I have been waiting all year to get today's guest on the show, but he is a busy working doctor. And, uh, you know, it's funny because usually when people want to be on the show, they pick the first available date. He basically picked the last available date. The only reason he couldn't pick tomorrow is because we were already scheduled with Dr. Doug Lyle for a finale, if you will, just to uh, set intentions for the next year. My guest today is Dr. Wayne Dysinger. He is a former past president of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and he was the chair of the preventative medicine department in Loma Linda. And the good news is he is in private practice now, so you could actually see him regardless of where you are. You know, we get hundreds of emails through our website every week, ask people a lot of times just asking for help. And the number one question is, where can I find a plant-based doctor? Well, there are websites where you can look them up, but the thing is you don't just necessarily want a plant-based doctor, well, that's great. I mean, I always look for doctors that are vegan if I can find them, veterinarians too. Actually, every service that I go to, I'd rather look for somebody that is plant-based. But you want a lifestyle medicine doctor. And once you go to a lifestyle medicine doctor, it is a game changer. It is going to be very hard to see any other type of doctor. And I am very honored because Dr. Wayne Dysinger is my personal doctor, as well as my husband's it's just, it's mind blowing the difference having a session with a lifestyle medicine doctor. And he has just, the, he's going to tell you a little bit about all the things they do in the practice. They have cooking classes and, and mindfulness classes. And it's just, it's incredible the difference of the care you'll get, especially if you're plant-based. So anybody can have a consultation. He can do telemedicine, but if you live in California, see him in person, because he's really nice. The people at the practice are really nice as well. And, you know, he really is, you know, one of the founding fathers of lifestyle medicine, if you will. Please welcome Dr. Wayne Dysinger. I'm so excited and nervous at the same time. Thank you, uh, AJ. It's, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, I've been looking forward to this as well. Um, and excited to, to talk to your audience. I know you have amazing people who, who spend time with you on a regular basis. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy to not only spend time with you, but with everyone who's listening. So I, I was going to share a few slides, and I guess I can just go here and do this. And there we go. Make Presumably it so, everybody yeah. can see this. Yes, perfect now. So... Um, what, what I want to do, I, I just want to share a little bit about what lifestyle medicine is. That, that may be a term that you're very familiar with. It may be a term that's new for you. Um, but uh, even more than that, I want to share what a lifestyle medicine doctor is, because this is something that's, that's really evolving. And, and if you're uh, thinking, I've never heard of that before, it's because a lot of people have never heard of it before. It's, it's, a, it's a very new specialty, uh, but we'll share a few details about it uh, with you. So, um, you know, I, I put this slide in because I, I think this goes out without saying for, for most people that, that medicine, uh, the way it is right now, is doing something wrong. Uh, but I like this slide because it, it sort of shows uh, on the left-hand side here, diabetes. And back around the time I was born, uh, diabetes was, was basically non-existent. Maybe 1% of the population had diabetes. So it was a very rare thing. Uh, and it's, it's increased, it's increased, it's increased. Um, there's estimates now that it's close to 14% of the population has diabetes. 
you include pre-diabetes, there's estimates that as much as 50% of the population has diabetes. So this has been going on. And when I share this talk with other people, I say, this has happened on my watch. You know, I, I became a physician back here in 1986. This increase has happened while I've been a doctor. So we're doing something wrong. And, and I like to, to make the case that it's because this whole medication approach, uh, what, what doctors have been uh, building their practices on, uh, it really isn't working. At the same time, look what's happened to smoking. Smoking has dropped over the same time frame. Uh, quite dramatically, and it's because smoking has taken a different approach. Um, so we need to be doing more of this health behavior change, habit change, uh, looking at things from a bigger picture perspective, rather than this reductionistic um, medication-driven approach that medicine has been doing uh, up till now. So um, because of this, um, we started Lifestyle Medical, and this is a slide that I show to pretty much all of my new patients. We call it the treatment triangle. And when I'm, so we're gonna be, it's gonna be an issue here. Um, okay, I've, I solved the problem. Um, so when I show this to my patients, um, what I talk about is I was trained in this top part of this triangle. So I'm a regular medical doctor, uh, and I was trained to do procedures and write medications. That's what, what most of my medical school was about. And if you think about the healthcare system, that's what really the healthcare system's about. But if you, if you look at what causes people to go to the doctor, um, the, the biggest cause for people to go to the doctor generically is this thing we call chronic disease. Um, and if you look at chronic disease, 80%, so science shows fairly well that 80% of chronic disease is related to lifestyle. So we, we talk about our four pillars, nourishment, movement, resilience, and connectedness. So we, we try to get those things right. Um, and if we get those right, uh, the disease doesn't even show up in the first place. And a lot of times if you have the disease, if you get that right, the disease will go away. And lifestyle is low, low risk, low cost, it's very natural. Um, so we, we start our practice down here. Uh, and the, the story I like to tell is, you know, if you, if you were thinking about building a new home and, and say this is gonna be your dream re retirement home. So it's gonna be a big home. You're gonna have uh, a, a nice foundation and then you're gonna have three stories above that. Um, so you look for a builder and you go out and you find builders and uh, your builders are saying, you know, I do really good on second floors and third floors don't really do the, the, uh, the first floor and, and certainly I don't do the foundation. So you need to do the foundation yourself uh, and then come to me and I'm, I'm super good at the second and third floor, best in the world in fact at the second and third floor, so come to me. Uh, and obviously we would never hire that builder to build this dream house. We want someone who's gonna do the whole house, do the foundation, first floor, second floor, third floor. Um, but unfortunately we have a healthcare system that only knows how to do second and third floors. It doesn't have the skill set. So, so there's this lifestyle medicine movement, uh, and the purpose of the lifestyle medicine movement is to try to help doctors develop that skill set. So we talk about our four pillars. Uh, the lifestyle medicine movement actually talks about six pillars, but we simplify it into four. Um, I showed them in the previous slide. So uh, nourishment. So we we're whole food, plant based. We like Michael Pollan's. Uh, thing, uh, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And eat food means whole food, 
uh, not too much. Uh, there's a lot of things we do around that and mostly plants. Uh, we're plant-based. Um, I, I personally am uh, vegan, uh, maybe not 100% vegan, maybe not quite as at the level of, of Chef AJ, uh, but, but um, very close to vegan. Um, and that's, that's what we like to see in our patients. Now, you don't have to be vegan to be a patient of ours. A lot of our patients are not vegan. Uh, but, but we tend to, to take people towards that eat food, not too much, mostly plants uh, arena. Then the, the second uh, area there is, is what we call movement. Uh, so we like to see people stay active. We like to see them stay active with uh, outdoor exercise in the sunshine and, and ideally fresh air um, and, and just, uh, just connect with nature. Um, the, the third area, if we sort of are going around the clock, is what we call resilience. Uh, so the American College of Lifestyle Medicine has sleep as a pillar and, and stress as a pillar. Uh, we see that when people are having trouble with sleep, it's mainly because they're, they're stressed. So we put sleep and stress together and, and call it resilience. Um, and so that's an important part of, of what we do. And we, we give prescriptions for meditation and, and a variety of things like that. Uh, and then the, the fourth area is what we call connectedness. Um, and connectedness is, uh, we, we talk about a, a horizontal connectedness. So that's your social networks, your friends, your family, uh, the people that you interact with. Um, but we also talk about a vertical connectedness. So that's your purpose in life, your meaning, uh, the things that are, the, that are maybe spiritually important to you uh, at some level or another. Uh, so we think all of those things matter. And if you, if you get balance in all of those things, that's, that's how you really achieve health. So um, lifestyle medicine is more than that. Um, it, it's, it's actually a lot of different things. And I spent most of my career in academia. So I spent most of my life teaching medical students and teaching residents and, and trying to help them. And over the last, uh, 10 years or so that I was in academia, lifestyle medicine was an important thing to me. Um, but what, what happened was um, I was watching this thing called the American College of Lifestyle Medicine grow and I was teaching my residents in lifestyle medicine, but nobody, nobody really knew how to practice lifestyle medicine or, or maybe they knew how to, but they didn't know how to get reimbursed to practice lifestyle medicine. Obviously, if you're a doctor, you can only do free stuff for a while. So, so we needed models um, that would help us uh, figure out how to get appropriately reimbursed as a physician uh, using lifestyle medicine. Uh, and then I had a businessman come to me and, and that's why I left my academic position uh, six years ago. Uh, and we started this clinic called Lifestyle Medical and, and we've had a journey, it's been six years. It's not been easy. Um, we have a lot of things lined up against us, but we figured out um, and, and this slide, I won't, I'm not gonna go into the details of this slide, but suffice it to say, we do a lot of things different clinically. Uh, we have a lot of groups, we have uh, coaches and, and dietitians and, and a variety of people in our practice that, that help us uh, do what we do. Um, but then we also have ways that we do management differently. So we have a, a different uh, financial structure than, than most uh, practices. Um, and I won't go into the details of this. If people have questions about it later, we can, we can come back to some of those questions. But suffice it to say, briefly right now, everybody's a member in our practice. Uh, you, you, you can't sort of just casually join your practice. You have to join and become a member. Uh, if you're over 65, your membership is free. Uh, we, we charge Medicare, assuming that you have Medicare. Uh, we charge Medicare and, um, and we give you free membership. 
you're under 65, uh, there's various, there's a, a couple different levels that you can join. If you have insurance that we accept, uh, the membership's $18 a month. If you don't have insurance that we accept, the membership's $78 a month. So that's that's just sort of the brief uh, how we do it. But there's a lot of other things. As, as Chef AJ said, our practice looks different. Our practice acts different. Our, our practice is, is very different than most uh, typical uh, doctor's practices. So I, I wanted to sort of step back from those logistics and talk a little bit about philosophy. And this is, this is a slide of, of actually um, meningococcus. Um, and uh, this is a bacteria and it's a bacteria. I'll never forget when I was in medical school, what I learned um, in medical school is that this bacteria, if you, if you culture, um, you know, say in someone's nose or someone's uh, uh, ears, uh, this bacteria will, will grow out in, in most cultures. I mean, it's there in all of us. And for most of us, it's benign. You know, it doesn't cause any problems. Um, but there's certain cases where this bacteria will actually kill you. Um, so there's something that's, that, that's a differentiator between the average person where this bacteria sits there and it, it's sort of in this equilibrium with that person. And when this bacteria sort of takes off and actually goes and, and kills someone. Uh, so that's that's true with a lot of life. So so the question is, what's the difference? Uh, and I I think the, the reason I'm showing this slide is I think lifestyle medicine is trying to approach what the what the difference is. So to to put that from a picture into words, uh, lifestyle medicine is taking what's called a systems approach, whereas traditional medicine is taking what's called a reductionistic approach. So in traditional medicine, you know how I was trained as a medical doctor. Um, I was trained to look at our body as, as a bunch of parts that are put together. Um, lifestyle medicine likes to look at us as a whole. So we're not just a bunch of parts, we're, we're this whole being and this whole being is way more than those constituent parts. Um, in traditional medicine, if something's wrong, what you do is you try to figure out what's wrong. You try to figure out what's broken. You try to find that one factor uh, that, that needs to be fixed and then you try to fix it. In lifestyle medicine, you recognize that everything's working together, um, that there's a lot of factors involved. It's, it's not this black and white uh, simplistic thing. It's, it's a, this very um, systematic um, issue that you have to deal with. Uh, so then in, in regular medicine, you try to fix what's broken. Uh, health becomes normal and uh, you try to just reduce risks. Whereas in lifestyle medicine, Health is about having this, this very robust organism uh, that can adapt and to, that can grow and that can deal with stressors in life, uh, but still be healthy going forward. So this is, this is sort of an important philosophical approach. And it, it basically helps to uh, differentiate why this bacteria will at times uh, just be happily living on someone, whereas at times uh, will be killing people. Another way of looking at this, um, I have a brother who's actually an organic farmer in Tennessee, and he and I talk, and we talk about the similarities between lifestyle medicine and organic farming. And he says in, in organic farming, if, if his, job, uh, his job really is to uh, just make sure that the plant has the right soil, the right moisture, uh, the right um, air temperature, uh, just the right environment. And if his plant has the right environment, 
that plant grows, it's, it's super healthy. And in fact, um, he doesn't really need to do any chemicals. He doesn't need to do any, uh, anything else as long as he gives it that uh, correct environment. And, and that's sort of what we think about in lifestyle medicine. If I give my patient uh, those four pillars, if I give them the tools that they need to, to practice those four pillars and to keep it in balance, uh, then, then they, they tend to stay healthy. So what's neat to me about the model that we've developed in our clinic is that it gets what we call triple aim outcomes. So triple aim is something that's talked about in the healthcare system. Basically it's saying you get better health, you get it for a lower cost and you, and you have happy patients while you're doing it. So this is, this is uh, the, we, we do something in our practice called the net promoter score. People love, love us uh, and I'm, I'm proud and, and grateful to say uh, we, we do better than, than all these other, way better than the typical average primary care doctor. Uh, we also do that at, at lowering costs. So if you compare the typical costs uh, for a Medicare patient, we're saving close to $3,000 um, a year uh, on those Medicare costs. And we do that by getting better outcomes. And we get these better outcomes, uh, not by prescribing more medications, but, but actually by prescribing less medications. Uh, the way we do that is we have a lot of things uh, that we do in our practice. We talk about groups. We, we have the one-on-one -on -one visits that you can have with myself. Uh, we have a, a dietitian, an occupational therapist, a, a social worker, a certified health coach that, that also do one-on-ones with you. We have a lot of connected devices. So we have ways that we can interact with people, uh, not just in our office, but uh, through their cell phones, through their computers. Uh, we have a lot of other resources. We have cooking classes regularly. Uh, we, we have other educational classes. We have a meditation class and we have a nutrition class. Um, a, a variety of resources that, that we provide or that we help people access. Uh, and, and what we do is we, we put together these things and then we take each person and we look at who they are and how they operate. Uh, so we look at their readiness to change. We look at the resources that they have around them. Uh, we look at their, their social situation. We look at all the data that we collect on them, the, the laboratory data and, and the other kinds of data. We look at how they learn. We look at uh, a lot of details so that we really try to understand this patient well. Uh, and then what we do is we match what we understand of the patient with the resources that we have. So some people love groups. Uh, so those people will, will direct towards a group. Other people um, are very busy. The best way they can connect is, is maybe late at, at night through a connected device. So we'll connect with them that way. Uh, we have uh, you know, live classes, we have books, uh, a lot of different things. And then what we do is we, we give everybody who's a member in our practice a, a number. So Chef AJ doesn't, doesn't know this, but she's got a number um, and, and that, that number um, tells us how often we want to interact with her. So Chef AJ ha happens to be pretty healthy, so we don't we don't feel like we have to interact with her that often. Wait, but wait. If, what is my number? What's my number? Um, I didn't know I had a number. I don't. I don't know your number off the top. <laughs> we'll look that up. But it's probably a two. That would be my guess. Is that your number is a two? Uh, and a two means that we want to interact with you twice a year. Uh, people who have ten, we're we're trying to interact with them every single day. Um, and we, we go sort of everywhere in between. Um, uh, so, so, you know, some people we try to interact with monthly, some people it's, it's, you know, 
four times a year. Um, but, but everybody in, in our practice has a number. And then, uh, so, so let's say Chef AJ's number is a two and we haven't heard from her for six months. She's feeling fine, everything's going well. Uh, well, we'll reach out to her um, in, in six months. We'll say, hey, uh, Chef AJ, how are you doing? You know, is everything going okay? Is there anything we can do for you? And we can just have a little email exchange and if everything's well, then we'll reach out to her again in another six months. But it means that things don't get dropped. Things don't, don't fall into the cracks and, and people sort of disappear. Uh, since again, everybody's a member in our practice. So I wanna shift gears now a little bit. Um, I've talked sort of about lifestyle medicine in general, a little bit of, about the details of our practice. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about this movement called lifestyle medicine and, and really try to give everyone the opportunity to connect into uh, a lifestyle medicine physician more. So the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is, is the professional association for lifestyle medicine physicians. And, and I, I just want to show you here, this is a screenshot. So you can go to the, to the website, lifestylemedicine.org. You go over to this membership section. You click on it. This will be the drop-down menu. Uh, there, you can see here there's a lifestyle medicine provider network. I'm going to talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, but, but for now, I'm going to direct you to this membership directory. So, so if you go on your computers, you, you go to membership and then click down and go to membership directly directory. If you go there, you'll see this page. Um, and in this page, there's this map. Um, and this is a map of all the people uh, who are lifestyle medicine doctors around the world. So you can see uh, it's everywhere. Uh, there's lifestyle medicine doctors everywhere. But then you can, you can you know, hit the little plus button here and you can drill down. So I've drilled down to Southern California. So um, I have two offices. One is, is here in Redlands. So this orange thing is me. Uh, another office here uh, in Riverside, California. So this is these two orange uh, little icons are me, but this is all the people in Southern California that are either members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So the green is your members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. The yellow is you're board certified in lifestyle medicine. The orange is you're both. Uh, so you're both a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and you're board certified. So you can see in Southern California, there's a lot of people that are, that are either members or who are board certified or, or are both. Uh, and so anybody in any place in the world can go, oops, let me go back. Um, so again, you, you, just, you just go to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, go to the membership section, go down to the membership directory, uh, go to the map, uh, drill down to, to where you live, and you'll find um, members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine or board certified members uh, in your community. Now, Southern California, there's a lot of people in Southern California, so there's, there's a, a fair bit of density here. It may not be quite as dense in, in your area, um, but, but there's a lot of people. Now, uh, I showed in that other slide, the Lifestyle Medicine Provider Network. I wanna talk about this. This is sort of a new concept, but the American College of Lifestyle Medicine says, we, we need a, a way to bring all of our doctors together. So um, there's actually three practices. Uh, there's our practice, we're, we're called Lifestyle Medical. And again, we have those two clinics, one in Riverside, one in Redlands uh, in Southern California. Um, then, then there's a practice in Delaware uh, Progressive Health of Delaware, and, and this practice, Flora Medical Clinic, is, is in uh, Austin, Texas. So 
So these three practices all have lifestyle medicine board certified physicians that are heading them. Um, and these three practices are sort of the test bed for this lifestyle medicine provider network. Uh, so, so just a little bit more detail about these three practices. So, so this is my partner, uh, Dr. Dapika Pandit. We have three providers in my practice. There's myself, uh, Dr. Pandit, and then we have a physician's assistant, Andrew Tyler. Uh, all of us are, are available to see patients. Um, uh, Dr. Pandit and Andrew Tyler are, are still growing their panels. Um, my panel is relatively full, but uh, I still take a few new patients. Uh, but Dr. Pandit and, and Andrew Tyler take patients. Um, and and so, so this is our practice. Um, we also, um, oh, I, I wanted to do a shameless uh, self-promotion here. Uh, this is our coach, uh, Nan Simonson. Um, and she just wrote a book. In fact, her book is just coming out. In fact, this is a copy of the book. Um, uh, and Nan actually interviewed Chef AJ. And I, I, I suspect at some point, Chef AJ is going to interview Nan because uh, Nan is, uh, you, you look there, but she actually, she looks pretty young, but she actually is turning 70 um, here in just another week or so. And as part of her seventh, 70th birthday, uh, she's uh, kicking off um, uh, marketing of this book, Aging Powerfully. So she's trying to show how lifestyle medicine really helps um, uh, even when you're a senior. Uh, so anyways, that's our practice. Uh, and then we also have Progressive Health of Delaware. This is Dr. Dave Donahue. Uh, who runs Progressive Health of Delaware, and his practice is, is uh, fairly good-sized. He has, uh, I think, three physicians and several uh, uh, nurse practitioners and, and a physician's assistant in his practice. And then this is Dr. Barchi Colty. She's uh, who runs Flora Medical Clinic. But what we're trying to do, these three clinics, is show that there is a consistent way that lifestyle medicine is practiced. So if, if you go back to, um, to this map, Sorry, if you go back to this map, um, all these physicians um, that are in this map uh, are going to be practicing differently. So some of them are going to be in the Kaiser system. Uh, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of Kaiser physicians who have uh, gotten board certified in lifestyle medicine. Some of them are, are going to be in, in different types of practice. Some of them uh, are going to be in only concierge practice. Um, but what we're trying to do in this provider network is say, we can, we can all practice together. So when you go to a lifestyle medicine uh, physician, you'll more or less know what you're going to uh, expect. Um, and it'll be somewhat similar to the kinds of things that, that we've been talking about that we do in our practice. So I just wanna point out that this lifestyle medicine movement um, uh, is growing rapidly and is actually a worldwide movement as well. Um, so, so in, in October of 2017, so just a little over three years ago, uh, there was a, the very first certification exam in lifestyle medicine. Um, and then you can see since then, so in, in a little over three years, we've grown around the world. This exam is now in, in four different languages, um, actually five different languages. It's in uh, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, uh, Chinese, uh, and of course, English. Um, and you can see exams have been uh, put all around the world, uh, but I'm assuming this audience is mainly American. So this is this is the statistics for the U.S. Uh, the first exam had 269 people who took it. A second exam a year later, uh, 313. 2019, it, it rose to 475. And look what happened in 2020: 900 over 900 people uh, 
took the exam and passed. These are actually just the people that passed. More than that took the exam. Uh, so, so a lot of growth. And if you're looking for a lifestyle medicine physician in the US, we have 1,586 uh, physicians that are board certified in lifestyle medicine right now. And this is just in uh, a little over three years. So a lot of growth in this. If you look around the world, there's over 3,247 people uh, who have taken the exam. Um, and if you, if, you, if you look at the numbers of exam takers, that includes physicians and non-physicians. Um, and this total 3,247 is physicians and non-physicians. Of those, most of them are physicians, about two thirds of them are physicians. Uh, same in the US, uh, most of these people are physicians, uh, about two thirds of the number are physicians. Um, so again, this is, this is growing uh, rapidly. And an, an interesting thing, I, I like to throw this in as, as a little side note, um, the, the, my practice address in Riverside is 4368 Central Avenue, uh, Riverside, California. Uh, the address for the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine and the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine is actually the same address, uh, 4368 Central Avenue in Riverside. So, so um, I'm the chair of the, of the exam. Uh, and so it's been one of my biggest honors to watch this, this exam uh, grow, uh, but it's, it's clearly an international uh, phenomenon. So that's all I'm, I, I prepared to talk about um, as far as formal slides, um, but I'd love to answer questions uh, from Chef AJ or from any of you uh, and, and happy to talk about lifestyle medicine more in, in any way that you want, uh, what it's like to practice it, what it's like to be a patient, how you get in touch with doctors, um, uh, all of these things. Um, but uh, just, just to read off this final slide, uh, lifestyle medicine is a, it's a new approach. Um, it's really just been developing over the last few years. It treats the real causes of diseases. It, it doesn't just uh, stay in the top parts of that triangle. It, it goes to the root causes and, and treats uh, those. Uh, it's rapidly growing. There's close to 1,600 physicians in the U.S. who are certified in lifestyle medicine and close to 5,000 who are members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And you can access those people on that map that I showed you. Um, and there's now successful lifestyle medicine practice models. Um, there, there's not a lot of these. These are growing uh, rapidly, uh, but, but there's, there's these models that are out there. So you can now find a lifestyle medicine physician uh, wherever you are in the US and, and to some extent even around the world. Uh, and, and if we keep growing as rapidly as we've been growing, uh, these will be easier and easier to find uh, over time. So I'm going to stop talking. Great. Okay. Great. If, you, if, if you want to stop the screen share, you can do that as well. So we can see you. And you know who's watching? Dr. John Westerdahl, who said, I just passed the exam and I am an ACLM certified lifestyle medicine professional. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations to John. He's been a leader in the lifestyle medicine movement for, uh, for years. So it's, it's nice that he uh, is now certified as well. Right. So, so it, it, you don't have to be an MD. Different, different professionals can be certified in lifestyle medicine, right? You can, yes. So we have dietitians, we have physical therapists, we have occupational therapists, we have nurses. Um, a lot of people are certified, but it's primarily uh, set up for physicians. Um, 
And like I said, about two thirds of the people who are board certified are physicians. How about having a chef certification? I could use one. Um, that's a that's a great great question. Um, and what I can say is is um, I'm sure we're open to that. Uh, we we've we've required up till now we've required at least a bachelor's degree. I have a bachelor's degree. As long as you have a bachelor's degree. I have a uh, bachelor's degree. Yeah, then then you should you should take it. Well, wait, is the test hard though? And like, can you help me study for, I mean, I, okay. I, I was kind of joking, but now I'm serious. So like, is, all right, how do I do this? I'd love to be certified in lifestyle medicine, culinary the medicine. Is, the test is hard. Um, only you, you only, if you pass like 60% of the questions, you, you still get certified. So you'll miss a lot of questions. It's, it's, it's a hard test. Um, but um, close to 90% of people who take it pass. Um, there's there's certain prerequisites that you have to do. You have to, to take some continuing medical education classes and those kinds of things. Uh, but once you do that, um, you just sign up for the for the exam and, and take the exam. It's a uh, for you it would be 120 questions that you'd have to answer. Well, okay, I'll do it. And how, how much is it for me to take the exam? Well, you'll have to talk to me afterwards. Shelley. All right, this sounds exciting. Wow, that would be cool. I'd love to get some kind of title here. That is. That is amazing. So, um, okay. So uh, Dixie says, why would a healthy person like Chef AJ need to be seen twice a year? <laughs> because I like, I like the comfort of knowing that somebody's on my team that knows, you know, knows when I am sleeping, knows when I'm awake, knows when I've been bad or good kind of thing. Right. And, and, and actually just to, to build on that, when you say be seen twice a year, um, that's using a typical medical model. Right, a typical medical model where you come in and you sit down uh, with your doctor and you have this this 15 minute visit with their doctor. Uh, that's that's not our model. Our model, first off, our model is is we have half hour visits. We don't have 15 minute visits. We have half hour visits. Uh, but second off, uh, we interact with our patients a lot of different ways. So so Chef AJ and I have interacted by email uh, several times. She sent me pictures. We've had video uh, visits. Um, We've, we've had a variety of different um, ways that we've interacted. Um, and so as long as we're having at least one of those types of interactions, that's good enough for me. Uh, I know that Chef AJ is doing well and, and I don't worry about her. Um, so so it, it's not that typical, oh, you need to come in and sit down with my doctor. Um, it's, a, it's a very different way of looking at, at healthcare and how you interact with a doctor. Great. Do you... Um, Am I getting feedback? Dina wants to know if you know any lifestyle medicine doctors in the Toronto area. There is a clinic. There's a new clinic. So, so um, Canada actually has a, a fascinating um, new clinic. And boy, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to remember the name of the clinic. I believe it used to be called Revive, but I think they had to change names because of the copyrights around that name. But there, there's a physician, I, I know the physician's name, he, his name is Yazdeep Saluja. So the first name is spelled J-A-S-D-E-E-P. The last name is spelled Saluja, S-A-L-U-J-A. He personally practices, I believe, in, in Victoria, Canada. But he has been, he, he's a good businessman. He's been very successful. And he now has branches of his clinic uh, across Canada. In, including, um, I'm fairly certain they just opened one up in Toronto, Canada. 
Um, so if you look up Yazdeep Saluja, um, if you Google him, get the name of his clinic. And, and I, if I was good, I would tell you the name of his clinic, but I'm not quite that good. Um, but but get the name of his clinic. Maybe somebody can do that and, and give us feedback. All right, yeah, you guys Google it because I got other things to do here by like monitoring the chat. Okay, so I saw something, questions? They're, they're going very fast here. Uh, so people are asking like, are there other professionals that could get certified like a music therapist, a mental health professional? So definitely mental health. We, we, we definitely have mental health professionals who are certified. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, other types of professionals out there, you know, recreational therapists, music therapists, uh, sports therapists um, that, that are, um, you know, they're not in the traditional, I mean, like a physical therapist, everyone knows what a physical therapist does. Uh, uh, people like a music therapist, well, I'm sure within music therapy, uh, that's well-defined, but um, I guess what I'll say is those people that are slightly less mainstream, uh, there's a process and that process uh, is actually through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that will determine if, if you are in fact eligible to take the, the exam or not. Right. So people keep asking about insurance and if, if somebody didn't have insurance or if their insurance didn't, you didn't cover it, they could still have an appointment. It's not that expensive. People could have like an appointment with you, right? It doesn't matter whether they have insurance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I, I went over this, and, but I'll just spend a little more time on it. If you have Medicare um, and, and there's two types of Medicare, there's something called Medicare Advantage, which is also called the HMO Medicare. If you have Medicare Advantage, the HMO Medicare, I have to be your primary care provider uh, for me to be your doctor, or you have to pay me my, my direct primary care price, which I'll talk about in a second. So, but if you have regular Medicare, Medicare B, um, which is the most common type of Medicare, uh, we, we can see you, um, I, can, I can be your doctor, we can see you. Uh, and again, that's no membership fee. Um, now, if, if you have, if you're under 65, and you have a regular commercial insurance, we accept a lot of those insurances. Um, and then we'll build the insurance. But we, we, because we do all these extra things, we have longer visits, we do email visits, all these other things. Um, we, we charge $18 a month above and beyond that, that whatever we can uh, get from insurance. Uh, so, so there's a little extra cost, not too much, $18 a month. Most people can handle that. Um, but, but there is that little extra fee because again, we have coaches and dietitians and groups and all kinds of other things that, that are part of our practice. And all those things are free. If you're a member in our practice, they, they come to you free. Um, but you have to pay this $18 a month membership. Now, if, if we can't accept your insurance, uh, so for instance, in our area, we don't accept Kaiser insurance. Kaiser is very popular in our area, but we don't accept it. But we have some patients who still want to see us. Uh, but they have Kaiser insurance. So we, we have this system that we call our direct primary care price. Uh, the direct primary care price for us is $78 a month. It's still reasonable. It's not a crazy price, uh, $78 a month, but it is a little bit more of an investment. But, but for people who want to make that investment and want to have a different type of doctor, uh, we're happy to see them. And, and we find that it works well for us um, uh, and generally works well for the patient. I mean, you just think if you can, if you can save yourself an ER visit, uh, $78 a month is quite a deal, actually. And, and we're, we're available 24-7, too. You, 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 oh, you I'm, 
you can interact with us anytime. I mean, good health is priceless. So I think it's very, very reasonable. CJ says, my husband and I have had the good fortune of being patients of Dr. Dysinger for several years. He's been instrumental in helping us get off medications and regain our health. We have so much gratitude and respect for him. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of my favorite things is getting people off medications. Uh, I think most doctors, uh, what they know how to do is, is help people start medications, but, but we love to get people off medications. And we can't always do that, but, but frequently we can, and it's very gratifying when we can. I love the uh, analogy you did about like a builder. Well, I, I can only help you if you, you know, build your roof. I can't, I can't help you with that. I thought that was really great. Yep, and we, do the, we do the whole building. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Uh, so I'm just um, going through all these things. Yeah. So, and they can always call the office too, if they have questions, right? I mean, I've been posting the link to the, the phone number. Absolutely. There, so. uh, call our office. Uh, if you have questions, call our office. If you, if you have, if you want to get an appointment, we we've just started. And in, in fact, it, 2021 is when we're starting it. We're, we're doing a, a group meet and greet. Um, and so that's, that's where you'll, you'll have an hour. Uh, to, to just ask questions. Our first one's going to be um, sometime in January uh, in just an hour with me to ask questions, to learn about the practice and figure out if it's going to be, be a practice that would fit you. Um, so so those, those are ways you can interact with us. Right. Stephanie says, have you had a chance to look over the new dietary guidelines that were just released and what are your thoughts? The new dietary guidelines that were just released. Um, I'm not familiar with the new guide, dietary guidelines. Are, are these? Um, Stephanie, tell me, tell me if who, you, who produced these and who released them. Stephanie, if you put it in the chat, I can send it over to the Zoom chat so that Dr. Dysinger can hopefully look at it before we get off. Are, so, are um, these the ones for for kids? The dietary guidelines for kids? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar with them. So Stephanie, yeah. please follow up uh, as soon as possible. If you can, Alyssa says, what other specialists are included? So your, your practice is primary care. You're all uh, internal medicine or, or uh, what's it called? The, the uh, family practice, right? Right, right. So, th so that's, that's a great, great question, actually. So let me just spend a little time on that. So, so yes, I'm, I trained in family medicine and then I trained in preventive medicine. Uh, and then I got into this thing called lifestyle medicine. So, so I really consider my specialty to be lifestyle medicine now, uh, but we're a primary care practice. Uh, so, so we do primary care and, and we have a lifestyle medicine flavor to everything that we do. Um, I, I have this vision, I hope, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I hope that, that at some point down the road, this may be a few decades from now, that, that every primary care physician is gonna have this lifestyle medicine flavor and approach to what they do. Um, but, but if you look at those 1500, almost 1600 physicians in the US, are certified in lifestyle medicine, uh, about half of them are primary care. So half of them are trained in family medicine or internal medicine and they do primary care. Um, but the other half are specialists from, from every, uh, every walk and talk. So we, we have you know, surgeons, we have uh, pediatricians, we have obstetricians, we, we have gastroenterologists and cardiologists. Uh, so, so people uh, from, from every ilk are certified in lifestyle medicine. Even plastic um, surgeons? I bet, why would a, would a plastic we, we surgeon? Have, we have plastic surgeons. We even have pathologists, believe it or not. That is so uh, interesting because, yeah. Who are yeah. trained in lifestyle medicine, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, um, we, we, one of my friends is a radiologist um, and he, he just got certified in the last exam. Uh, and that's so, great. 
so yeah, you can you can find people that are interested in this in this in, in every specialty, and those those people are going to practice differently. I know that Ermini Van Dyken, uh, who's been on the show, she's a surgeon in Hawaii. She she's certified in lifestyle medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's questions in the chat, but I want to give respect to the people that took the time to write them in first. These are doctor type questions. One is from Susan. Do you consider vitamin D to be protective against catching the coronavirus and for treating the symptoms? So yeah, um, there's pretty good data that vitamin D does have value in, in protection from coronavirus. Um, the, the data around uh, vitamin D as far as treatment for coronavirus is in, in my uh, reading of the literature is, is much sparser, um, but uh, certainly it's worthwhile. I think it's worthwhile for people to know what their vitamin D level is. And if their vitamin D level is low to, to uh, try to, to increase their vitamin D level, uh, either through more sun exposure or through taking a supplement. Um, there are some people that, that are advocating that your vitamin D level should be very high. Uh, I'm not as convinced on that. I think it needs to be a, a good, I consider a good level to be 40-ish or so, um, if you actually have your number in front of you. But I, I think if you're at that level, uh, your protection against coronavirus is gonna be going to be better than if it was was really low. Um, and then if you're, if you get coronavirus, um, again, uh, go out and spend some time in the sun, that'll probably be good for you. Uh, but I don't know that that adding a lot of vitamin D supplementation will necessarily uh, give you a better chance of doing well with it. Maybe it does. Um, there, there's some data that would indicate that, but uh, I think it's uh, sparse data at this point. Great. And Lori says, how do you feel about taking HRT for menopausal women who are concerned about preventing osteoporosis, heart disease, and Alzheimer's? I know some doctors are concerned that taking estrogen may slightly increase breast cancer risk, but if we were already eating a whole food plant-based diet, maintaining a healthy weight and exercising, these healthy habits greatly reduce our breast cancer risk. So wouldn't it make sense to take HRT to reduce our risk of other diseases like osteoporosis, heart disease, and Alzheimer's? So this, likes, this sounds like someone who, who is a fan of HRT. Um, so hormone replacement therapy, what, what I tell my patients, um, so I, I think of this as a, as a woman's thing. Uh, obviously, men can take testosterone replacement, so it's not just a woman's thing. But, but um, if, I think, if I think about women, when we say HRT, usually we're talking about women. Um, I tell my, my ladies, um, if if you hit menopause, um, there's going to be about 20% of you, uh, there's going to be about 80% of you who, who will go through menopause or maybe some, some bumps and, and some challenges, but you'll go through menopause and you'll be fine and, and you won't need HRT uh, and you'll get to the other side and, and life will be fine. There's going to be 20% or so who, who get to that menopause and it's, it throws your body off enough and you may have other life stressors or other things going on. Um, but, but those 20% will need some HRT. Um, and then if you look at the data around the risks of HRT, the risks are primarily when you're getting older. So if you, if you take hormone replacement therapy starting around 50 years or so of age and, and then take it maybe even, even clear to 60 years of age, uh, your risks are still relatively small. If you, if you decide you need to keep taking it uh, into your uh, late 60s or, or even into your 70s, uh, the risks start going up. Um, so I, I, I tell my ladies, 
you know, about 20% of the population needs HRT uh, and about 20% of those will need it long-term. Uh, so those who need it long-term, yes, we do like them to do all the, all the healthy lifestyle medical kinds of things, but we also like them to, to be really good as far as screening, you know, uh, uh, breast cancer screening and, and, and uh, those kinds of things because their risks are a little higher. So, so I'm, I'm a fan of HRT. Uh, and I do prescribe it for my patients. We have ways that we monitor that with our patients, uh, but I don't think everyone needs it. And, and once you get above 60, I like to, to really uh, make sure that the risks of it uh, aren't more than the benefits of it. Great, thank you. Um, um, let's see, uh, Kathy says, do you use more natural ways of healing or do you just use traditional medicine? Well, we, we we like to think that we use a lot of natural ways. Uh, now, a lot of our natural ways are very simple things. Um, it's, it's things that you don't have to be a doctor uh, to, to prescribe. So it's, uh, we, we prescribe broccoli, we prescribe blueberries, we prescribe, um, uh, we prescribe fasting, uh, we, we prescribe uh, meditation, we prescribe, uh, you know, support groups, we, we prescribe all kinds of, of different things uh, that are very natural. Um, now, a lot of times when, when people think of more natural things, they're thinking of things like supplements or maybe acupuncture or maybe some massage therapy, uh, some of these other kinds of things. And uh, when I showed that triangle, I, I showed the top two sections, which are what most doctors do, the surgeries and the medications, and the bottom section, which is what we're really good at, lifestyle medicine. But then there was a, a middle section there, which I called physiologic. And that's that's what some people might call functional medicine or integrative medicine. It's supplements and it's, it's acupuncture and those kind of things. We do some of those things ourselves, um, but we also like to be very scientific. We like to be evidence-based. And the nice thing is that bottom, that bottom section, it's very easy to be scientific and evidence-based in that. That middle section, that physiologic, where we're, we're doing supplements and, you know, again, more, um, what some people call alternative medicine. Um, some of those, there is good evidence behind it. Others, the evidence is a little less clear. Um, so, so we're not against that. In fact, we're pretty supportive of all that. But as far as what I prescribe my patients, um, I only prescribe what I feel really has good science behind it, good evidence based behind it. What was the name of the doctor in Canada you were talking about? Yeah, it's deep. Saluja, S-A-L-U-J-A. Okay. Uh, okay, so Dr. Daryl Woodruff, who's watching live, found his information and I can I can post it in the chat now. And he posted Perfect. it too, so that was Thank great. You. Okay, yeah. so wait, where did this question go? Sorry, it just, my thing moved so quick. I saw something. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, filler time, filler time. Okay, da 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 da. I just see, because people are like chatting to each other and things. So sometimes I miss the questions. I apologize. I did see one though. And it was a pretty good one. Haven't heard back from Stephanie, uh, um, Stephanie back yet about those dietary guidelines. Sorry. Um, oh, here it is. Deborah. how will my doctor know to stop my blood pressure medication if I make lifestyle changes? Right. Great, great question. Another great question. Um, how, how do you know as a doctor when it's safe to stop a medication? And, and I can tell you, um, some of that is, is uh, experience. Uh, some of that is just, just knowing um, from experience, from doing it with other patients. You're not trained 
as a, as a medical doctor, you're not really trained how to stop medications. You're more trained how to start medications. Um, there are some guidelines, um, but, but specifically for that question, what I do, um, I like to, blood pressures vary a lot. You know, if, if you take your blood pressure, if you're someone who checks your blood pressure uh, over time, you, you know that it may be quite a bit different in the morning versus the evening or, or even now versus 15 minutes from now. Uh, so if you're going to change a blood pressure medication, you need some, somewhat of an average. Um, and I usually think that four different uh, measures uh, gives a pretty decent average uh, of what your blood pressure is. Um, so if I, see, if I see someone whose average is below 120 on the top number and below 80 on the bottom number, I know that I can, can back off on medications for them. Uh, if, if I see the, their blood pressure is between 120 and 140 on the top number and between 80 and 90 on the bottom number, maybe. It depends on the situation. And, you know, blood pressure is actually uh, an interesting uh, phenomenon. If you look at those four pillars of lifestyle medicine, what you eat absolutely matters as far as your blood pressure. And not only um, does it, you know, people, most people know that salt makes a big difference as far as blood pressure. Um, if, if you interact with Chef AJ, you know that fat makes a big difference as far as blood pressure. Um, but, but there's certain foods. So for instance, celery, um, it seems to lower the blood pressure. So there's certain foods that, that seem to help uh, lowering blood pressure. So, um, so we, we work on the food side, uh, but exercise also matters a lot from a blood pressure perspective. So if people aren't exercising, we'll work on that. Um, and then stress, uh, if, if you were to look at those four pillars, uh, to me, the one that probably matters the most from a blood pressure perspective is, is stress. Uh, so if people aren't sleeping well, if they're not managing their stress well, um, we work on that with them. We, we have them come to our meditation class or, or we have them do meditation at home. There's a variety of different things that we do to help uh, relieve stress. Um, but if you put all those things together, generally, um, a lot of times we can get people off blood pressure medicine. Nice. Uh, people are asking what's the best way to improve their immunity during these times of COVID? How to improve your immunity? Well, uh, follow those four pillars. Uh, you know, make sure you eat healthy, whole food, plant-based, uh, not too much. Um, make sure that you're you're getting good exercise, so getting out there and getting some good aerobic exercise, as well as some strength training, uh, some flexibility training. Um, make sure that you're getting eight hours of sleep a night, seven to eight hours of sleep a night. That's the goal for everyone. That's one of the best ways of of rejuvenating your immunity is, is making sure you get that good sleep and then uh, staying connected. Uh, make sure you don't, you don't get lonely or isolated. Make sure you don't leave, lose purpose or meaning in life. Um, all of those things really matter. Uh, but, but getting a little more specific, um, it does appear that vitamin C and zinc are, are specifically important right now as far as coronavirus is concerned. Um, and obviously you can take a vitamin C supplement, you can take a zinc supplement, uh, but the, the data tends to show again and again and again, if you get that vitamin C and if you get that zinc from food, um, you're much better off than if you take it from a supplement. So your body likes it when it comes in the whole food package, more so than if it comes in a supplement package. So we tell all of our patients, make sure you get a lot of vitamin C food and the, the vitamin C foods that 
the, the foods that are naturally high in vitamin C, it's your dark green leafy vegetables, um, your kale, actually broccoli as well is very high in vitamin C. Um, and then it's, it's your fruits, the fruits that we know about like citrus fruit, but also kiwi, kiwi's great in vitamin C. Berries tend to be good in vitamin C. So a lot of vitamin C foods, which is more in the fruit and vegetable category. And then a lot of zinc foods and, and zinc foods um, tend to be things like seeds. So pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds are high in zinc. Uh, nuts tend to have uh, good zinc. Uh, and then legumes also have some, some uh, good zinc levels. So, so we're, we're pushing that, that whole food uh, plant-based um, foods, and that's one of the best ways you can build your immunity. Great. So a lot of people are asking about specialists. So do, when if they come to you as and you're their primary doctor, you don't, you don't have specialists. Do you refer them just to people in their area, or how, how does that work if somebody needs a GI doctor or an orthopedic doctor, for example? Right. So, so a good question. Um, and to be honest, we, we, even in our area, even though this lifestyle medicine movement is growing, it's still small. I mean, there's only 1500 physicians in the U S 1600 physicians in the U S and obviously there's hundreds of thousands of physicians in the U S. So there's still a lot of growth that needs to happen. And, and we have trouble just to be honest, uh, even finding specialists, uh, for, for our patients in, in the Inland Empire area of Southern California. Um, so, so that's a challenge, but um, again, it's, it's rapidly growing. So when we started our practice, we started our practice uh, close to six years ago. Um, and remember back then, that, that was in 2015, uh, this whole board certification thing didn't even exist. Um, and, and now here we are uh, a few years later and there's close to 1600 people certified. Uh, continue, assuming there's continued growth, there's gonna be more and more specialists that are gonna be available. Um, I mean, I know a rheumatologist in, in uh, Orange County now who, who will definitely do online uh, work with you. Uh, I know cardiologists, I know gastroenterologists. Um, uh, so, so there's people out there and, and I, I do know some of them, but um, that, that movement has grown rapidly enough that there's people all around the country that, that I don't know. Um, but you can do research and look it up yourself just by going to that website that I showed and, and trying to scope it out more. Nice. Well, Dixie said, how often do we need blood tests? Which ones? And people are saying, if they come to you, is that the first thing you do? And how often should we have blood tests? So it's actually a good question. And if you really analyze, you know, put, put, put the science behind blood tests, we probably do way too many blood tests. There's not a lot of data that says a lot of blood tests actually makes you live longer or necessarily even makes you live healthier. There are some blood tests that, that it's good to know about. I mean, I, I like to know people's cholesterol. I think that's helpful. Um, if, if people have any issue with their weight, I like to know their hemoglobin A1C um, around diabetes. Um, and most doctors will look at kidneys and liver and thyroid and, and a variety of other things. And we tend to do that as well. Uh, so we don't always order blood tests the first visit, but we frequently do um, because that data um, does give us a sense of, of what's going on with people's health. Um, but again, it, blood tests are probably uh, overutilized and, and are, are maybe not quite as important as, as we tend to think they are. Um, the, I think the more important thing is how are you eating how are you exercising? How are you sleeping? Those kinds of things. Uh, but, but just to be specific, yes, 
usually if you come to us, you would get a blood test uh, the first time. And, you know, we do the typical blood test. There's also a bunch of atypical blood tests that we do um, that are sort of more of that, that middle part of the triangle where, where we'll do, we do some saliva tests, you know, we, we do obviously different stool and urine tests. Um, and, and we do um, some various nutritional analyses and other kinds of things that, that will help us. Um, and we don't do those on, on that many patients. A lot of those have to be done outside of insurance and they can be expensive. Um, but, but there's a place for, for those, at least we think there is. Great. Well, I just got the U.S. Dairy Dietary Guidelines from Stephanie, and I posted it in the chat, but I don't know if you're going to have time to look at them now, but thank you for sending that. They're, they're, I think they're very, very long. You might have to come back another time and just give your uh, opinion Let's do that. that. Let's do that. Let's yeah, come back and absolutely. talk about those specifically. That so would those, be great. That, that looks like that's the the U.S. Dietary Guidelines. So, so this is what's published by the, the USDA, the, the Department of Agriculture, as well as the Health Department. And, and to be honest, if those were just published within the last day or two, um, I haven't analyzed them. Um, so I don't, I can't really comment on them. But what I do know is historically, uh, the US guidelines have been influenced uh, fairly significantly by the, by, uh, the agricultural industry. Um, I mean, it's in the USDA for, for a reason. Uh, and a lot of times um, that influence, you know, it will come from the beef growers or the dairy farmers. Yeah. And, Apparently yeah. they included dairy again. It's... Yeah. Yeah. So, Ugh. so yes, I, I, I am not going to, to fall in line completely behind those guidelines. Yeah. Uh, Diane says, do you think that idiopathic peripheral neuropathy can be reversed, reversed by following a whole food plant-based diet? I do believe that it frequently can. Um, I, I, I would be hesitant to say that that's a guarantee. In fact, I would be wrong to say that that's a guarantee because I know that there's a lot of other things that, that factor into uh, neuropathy. Uh, and you specifically said idiopathic, which would mean it's a neuropathy that we don't really understand well. Um, but I, I have seen in my own patients, seen improvements in neuropathy. Um, just a just a quick story. Like I said, we do fasting in our in our uh, we do group fasts in our in our clinic. Um, and I had a patient who did a, a five day fast with us, and at the end of that, he said his neuropathy was much better. Um, so so I've I've seen that kind of thing happen. Um, and and certainly, if you go whole food plant based, you're taking away some of the some of the toxins, you're, some of the things that bother our body, which allows your body to heal. Um, so yes, I, I think there's a place for it for sure, but but could I guarantee it? I, I, I could not guarantee it. There's no guarantees in medicine? Very few guarantees in medicine. <laughs> well, this is great. And guys, you know, check it out. I, it, he's got a great practice. And if you don't go to Dr. Dysinger, at least find a lifestyle medicine doctor and don't worry about if your insurance doesn't pay because it'll be a whole different experience. You know, when I hosted the GI Health Summit, Dr. Edmund McDonald said that what a patient, what asking your patient what they eat is the most important question a doctor can ask you. And no doctor has asked me that in 60 years until I went to Dr. Dysinger. So if your doctor's not asking you that, find another doctor. If not Dr. Dysinger, there are plant-based doctors. They all do telemedicine. And if your insurance doesn't pay, you can afford one consult with them, I'm pretty sure. So 
whether it's Dr. Dysinger or the wonderful doctors at True North that have always done telemedicine, it will be a game changer because many of the questions you're asking are just too specific for me to ask Dr. Dysinger without him knowing your medical history, but I'm sure he'd be happy to answer in a consultation. So thanks so much for what you do at Joy. It took a long time to get you here, but it was great to talk to you. And I'm so excited to know, I, I wanna take this test without studying, even if I failed, because I really wanna know how much I know without studying for it. You know what I mean? That'd be really cool. There you go. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we would, we would love to see you take it and uh, thank you, Chef AJ. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can, you can do your rant on the U S dietary guidelines, because I'm sure that there's going to be a lot in there that neither of us agree with, especially the meat and the dairy. So yeah. a ha happy, healthy new year to you and your family. Thank you. Same to oh. you. And, and let's, uh, let's hope for a 2021 that, uh, doesn't bring as many challenges as 2020. Absolutely. And, and, and that I, everybody has a lifestyle medicine doctor, at least my people, because they all seem to want one. And you're the best I've got, I have had, and, and best I've got at, at the same time. So thanks so much for what you do. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for the last show of the year. There'll be two shows, both inspiring Dr. Doug Lyle, who's going to show us how to set our intention for the coming year and Chris Wark who beat cancer and has now an inspirational book that you can look at 365 days a year. Take care, Dr. Dysinger. Thank you.